Here we go. Believe it or not, this is May the 1st. We're getting closer and closer to Christmas. In the year 2023, I'm Pastor Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel. And it's a Monday. So we kind of take a look at the readings for the following Sunday, which this week will be the fifth Sunday of Easter. Now, during the Easter season, rather than having an Old Testament reading, epistle, and gospel, we have a reading from the book of Acts. And this week, coming up, the reading is all about Stephen. Stephen, who was assigned by the apostles to be one of the individuals helping out with widows, helping out feeding Gentile women, etc., And then, of course, his martyrdom, being stoned. That's the reading from Acts. The reading from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 is all about God laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And then the Holy Gospel is from John chapter 14. And this is all about Jesus talking about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. I'm sure you pray to Jesus many times. If I were to ask you, whatever you pray for, will he always do it? Let's say you're asking for something, and can we say that God will always answer your prayer and do what you're asking? I'm sure most of you are going to say no, because you can think of times that you asked God for something and you never received it. It may have been a better health or a better job or a better family or a better house, or a better neighborhood, all kinds of things that we ask for. Well, that's a problem. Because in the Gospel of John, verse 14, here's what Jesus says. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that really causes a problem, doesn't it? Because how many times have you asked Jesus for something and it appears that he doesn't do it? Yet this is a promise that he makes. This is why the Bible is so confusing for lay people. The reason that you have a pastor is pastors especially if they've gone to the seminary, know their Greek, know their Hebrew, and they know their theology. And knowing the theology of the Bible is much greater than knowing the Bible. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, there were scribes at the time of Jesus who did not believe in Jesus, of course, and yet they had much of the Old Testament memorized. If you had asked them about, well, Adam and Eve, or the crossing of the Red Sea, 
or being taken into Babylonian captivity, they were able to quote to you the Bible verses. They really knew their Bible well, but they didn't know their theology at all. The best example I can give you is the disciples of Jesus. Remember after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, Jesus met with two disciples who were talking about his death and heard about his resurrection, and they were totally confused. Jesus had to interpret the scriptures for them. It's not that they had never heard these verses, but they had not understood the meaning of those verses. And so therefore, that's the goal of a pastor. Every time you go to church, well, you have the liturgy, you have the creeds, you have sometimes the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, but most importantly, you have a sermon. And in that sermon, you learn something that you never knew about the Bible before. That's always my goal, to say something that people were unaware of. And then to leave the sermon with a note of comfort and help, not a word of law. And that's really important to understand because the law never saves anybody because we are unable to obey the law perfectly as an unbeliever. Well, I asked this question, when you ask Jesus for something, will he always do it? And I'm sure most of you will say, from your experience, no, he won't. Well, let me quote John 14, verse 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now listen to verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, what does that mean? How would you explain that to someone who says, no, I've talked to Jesus a lot of time in prayers. For example, I had a friend that was in a car accident and I prayed to Jesus that he would take care of that person and bring them back to health, but the person died in the hospital. So Jesus did not do what I had asked. We can give many examples of that in our lives, but the problem is that in John 14, this is a promise from Jesus. In fact, in verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Then whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So how do we reconcile that promise 
with our experience that many a time we do ask Jesus, we pray to him, and it appears that he doesn't do what we are asking. See, this is where the big distinction between law and gospel is so, so important. Because Jesus does not say, whatever you ask, I will do. He says instead, whatever you ask me in my name, I will do it. Now, what does that mean? How do we ask Jesus in his name? In contrast to how do we pray not having his name? For example, you see this in a lot of uh, movies and things. Something terrible happens to a person. And maybe it's the illness of someone he loves. He says, Lord, if you will heal this person, I will come to church every Sunday. I will give a bigger offering. Is that asking in the name of Jesus? No. You're trying to bargain with God. You're trying to make him a, a, a deal. It's really a form of blackmail when you say things like that. So can you think of a prayer, regardless of what you say in the prayer, that Jesus will do it. Well, there's a very important prayer that Jesus taught you. It's called the Our Father. If you go through each of the petitions, and the word petition from the Latin means a request from God, guess what? Every petition of the Lord's Prayer Jesus answers positively. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now that means may we kind of obey the second commandment in keeping your name holy. <clears throat> and that holiness is something that the Holy Spirit allows us to do. How many times have you called on the name of Jesus when you have an emergency. It's just spontaneous. And you say, Jesus, help me through it. Will Jesus answer that prayer in the positive? Yes, he will. He will help you through it. You may not get the specific request that you are asking for, but as Romans 8.28 says, all things work together to good for those who love God. In other words, you cannot think of a petition in the Lord's Prayer that you ask Jesus to do that he doesn't do it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You're asking there that the kingdom of God comes to you. It has come to you as a believer, God has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's a promise in regard to your baptism. According to Peter's wonderful sermon at Pentecost, you receive two gifts with baptism, the gift 
of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God answers that prayer positively. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that is always done in your life when you are a Christian. That's part of the blessings that you receive, that what is happening in your life is also what God is doing in your life. Forgive us our sins. Does God forgive your sins? That occurred at the cross, for sure. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Lead us not into temptation. It's very clear from the book of James that God never leads you into temptation. You're tempted instead by the world, your flesh, and the devil. And that certainly is happening today in the world, where people who believe this nonsense of evolution, where there are no moral codes, think that they can live the life that they want to live live in immorality, and it doesn't matter because they're God. They become like Adam and Eve, eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil because the devil says they'll be like God. Every sin you do is an attempt to become your own God. So when you pray, lead us not into temptation, that is a promise that God gives you. He does it. He never leads you into temptation. And how about deliver us from evil? Now, the word evil there is really talking about the devil, who is the evil one. And at your moment of death, you will not be taken and delivered to the devil. Jesus will do it. So there's a prayer, the Lord's Prayer, that really fulfills the promise of Jesus. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So the key phrase here is to ask in the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean that you just say, oh, Jesus, grant me this, but it is through faith that you believe that Jesus will always work things out for your good, regardless of what you are asking for. He will do it to your good. Jesus knew that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thy will be done. That's really the two kinds of prayers that you have. The one kind of prayer, like the Lord's Prayer, is when you're asking God to keep promises, he will always keep his promises to you because every petition of the Lord's Prayer is a promise from Jesus to you. And if you ask him anything in the Lord's Prayer, he will do it because you're asking in his name. Now, the second kind of prayer 
is when we ask for something that he has not promised. Like when I was a teenager living at home, I wanted to have a motorcycle. But God, through my parents, said, no, I was not ready for a motorcycle. So that's how Jesus answered my prayer, with a no. He did definitely do what I asked. But what I was asking for is, okay, Jesus, I'll believe in you. I'll come to church if you give me a motorcycle. No, that wasn't my prayer. My prayer was, if it be your will, can I have a motorcycle? And it was not his will at that time, as I learned through my parents. I was asking in his name. But when you ask in his name, it means that you are willing to allow him to make the decision. You are not God. So you can ask for anything that is not in the Bible. But as you say, not my will, but thy will be done. That's asking in the name of Jesus. That's giving him control over your life. You don't want control over your life. Adam and Eve attempted to get control over their life, and you saw what happened to them. So when you meet, read this Bible verse, it absolutely is a promise. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And Jesus says that because to ask in his name is either to ask that he keep a promise that he has made. So when we baptize an infant, we don't say, we pray that you will give this infant faith if it is your will. Not my will, but thy will be done. No, you don't say that because Jesus has given a specific promise that even for an infant, he will receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you are not asking for that to happen. You are thanking God that it will happen because God has made a promise. To ask in his name when you are asking for something that he has not promised is to make sure that you realize not my will, but thy will be done. And that's how you ask in the name of Jesus. And therefore, Jesus' will is always done. Whatever you ask, he will do it. In essence, then, you can think of prayer as something that always has a yes behind it. If you're asking Jesus for a specific promise that he will keep, maybe you're perplexed about something in life, uh, maybe you're down and out. So you go to the book of Psalms and begin reading that. And you ask Jesus to comfort you, to help you through your depression. That is a promise he will keep. And as you read the Psalms, your faith will be enlightened and you will begin to trust Jesus even more.
prayer answered. There is no prayer that Jesus will not answer to your good. As I said, if it's a prayer you're asking for promises, then he will do it. Uh, for example, you're tempted. But then in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you don't receive any temptation that isn't common to man. But Jesus says, I will provide a way of escape. How many times have you been tempted to do something by thought and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you decide not to do that? That was a part of the gift of sanctification. Sanctification is when the Holy Spirit is ruling in your life, keeping you from danger, keeping you from temptations that could cause you to lose your faith. So, so many people, unfortunately, they have what they consider to be a bad experience in life. How many times have we heard certain Jews who no longer believe in God because of what happened in the Nazi Holocaust? They can't imagine that there is a God who loves Jewish people and would allow that to happen to them. Well, what they forget is that God does work all things out to a person's good who is a believer. But they want God to work out all things to what they consider to be good. And so asking in the name of Jesus means to give him the charge over your life. You can ask him anything. And because if it's a promise, he's promised to do it. And he will take care of it. And if you ask him for something that he has not promised, like the health of a person here on earth, or that things will work out in your area of money or in your area of relationships. We don't know how Jesus will respond to that, but we do know he will do it for our good. So this is a Bible passage that we can really be confused on because it's a promise. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And asking in his name means to have faith in the promises of Jesus. And one of those promises is that he will do it. I can't think of anything in my life that I've ever prayed for that God did not accomplish what was necessary and good for my life. And it really doesn't matter if you become sick with cancer, God can take care of it. If you have an accident, and I did on a motorcycle and broke my bone, and God took care of it. And even when I drive, drove for Uber, uh, that taxi cab, if somebody had got in there and tried to rob me and shoot me, well, there was a time when I was in a taxi and I was robbed by 
four youth, and one of them had a gun. By God's grace, he did not pull the trigger. They just took my money and they ran away. That was God's answer to my prayer. But if they had shot me, that would also be God's answer to my prayer because then I would be in heaven immediately. You can't lose with God because whatever you ask, he will do it as you ask in his name. Try and think of a time where you really asked for something and no good came of it. It may be you'll have to wait till you get to heaven to see the good that God was working in it. Look at the apostles. They did a wonderful job in preaching the word of Jesus. And yet all but one of them were martyred. Was that God's will? Yes, it was. It was God's will. Remember the apostle Paul even thanks God for the suffering he endures to give him a taste of what Jesus went for, went through for his salvation. And therefore, when we are persecuted, that's the will of God, to help us remember how far Jesus went. He was totally innocent, and yet he suffered for your sin. You will never suffer innocently as did Jesus. But anything you ask him, he will do for you. Because if it's a promise, as I said, he definitely keeps his promises. And when you ask for something that's not a promise, and you ask if it be your will, his will is always done. In that way, whatever you pray to Jesus is always answered with a yes, which means if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. On tomorrow's Lawrenceville, we'll talk about the hymn, At the Lamb's High Feast, we sing and explain what that means from a law and gospel point of view. Join us on KFUO, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.